we're finally well into summer and I'm already downloading all my favorite podcasts to listen to while I'll be on the beach for a long weekend in Puglia, finally. I hope that cooking with an Italian accent will be with you during your holidays too, as it is already with you while you're running, ironing, cooking or commuting to work. Why do you like to listen to podcasts? For me, driving and walking is what works better for podcasts. What about you? Before starting this new episode, thank you for all your lovely comments and feedbacks on our podcast. I'm so happy you appreciated the last episode about PDO and PGI products at Tuscany. If you do not want to miss an episode, subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you are listening to a podcast. Please consider rating and reviewing the show. It makes a huge difference and will help us to be found online and to build up an appetite for Italian food. And remember that you will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in the episode show notes. Also, don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Don't miss the word of the day at the end of today's episode, as it might be very useful next time you'll be ordering in an Italian restaurant. Ciao! My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia. I am a Tuscan-born and bred country girl, a home cook, a food writer and photographer. I teach Tuscan cooking classes in my house in the countryside, and I've been sharing honest, reliable Italian recipes for 10 years now, through my cookbooks and my blog, juicekitchen.com. If you love everything about Italian food, big crowded tables and seasonal ingredients, join us and follow Cooking with an Italian Accent. Welcome to Cooking with an Italian Accent, episode 13. This is a special episode dedicated to one of my favorite recipes, Zuppa Inglese. Zuppa Inglese is literally English soup. It is basically a trifle. It is made with custard, chocolate custard, and sponge cake or some savoyardi, which is lady fingers, soaked in alkermes. So first of all, what is alkermes? Alkermes is a Renaissance spirit, a favorite liquor of the Medici family, the Tuscan elixir for long life, a pick-me-up for fragile women. Alkermes is a bright crimson liquor, which is still made today by the Santa Maria Novella Pharmacy in Florence, with the same recipe created in 1743, along with many artisanal and refined liquors. It is infused with spices, thyme and tradition. The recognizable color given by a handful of dry insects, cochineals, which give also the name to alkermes. For me, though, uh, this is the ruby red bottle that my grandmother would keep in her pantry next to the aniseed liquor, the unmistakable color of every, every birthday cake since I was born. The old-fashioned and spiced taste of a bowl of soppa inglese, as we were saying before, or a slice of chocolate sponge cake roll. When I open the bottle of Alkermes, I don't smell just history and traditions, but a family ritual of brushing every sponge cake, of drops of crimson elixir mixing every icing to celebrate our birthdays. The only food coloring we have ever used. This is the color of the blushing zuccotti in the best pasticcerie, the smell of the most traditional desserts of the Tuscan tradition. But back to the zuppa inglese. So what it is zuppa inglese? It is an old-fashioned dessert you rarely find on the menus of restaurants or trattorie. It is easier to find it at home, made for family gatherings, for birthdays, but even for merenda, as an afternoon snack. It's perfect for those days when you need a boost of energy or an extra cuddle. 
My grandmother would make it often for my sister Claudia and me, so I had the best sweet memories of those merende. So why this name Zuppa Inglese? Apparently Zuppa Inglese was born at the same time in Italy, around the 16th century, but in Emilia-Romagna and in Tuscany, and it was inspired by the English trifle, and then turned into something more Italian by replacing the pound cake or Madeira cake with a lighter sponge cake and the whipped cream with our custard. Others say it comes from the Zuppa del Duca, which is a Sinise dessert offered in a banquet in 1552 by the Sinise people to the Duke of Correggio. It was made with pan di spagna, latte miele and alkermes. Another explanation, and this is probably just a legend, but it's my favorite one. So I wanted Zuppa Inglese to be born in Tuscany, in the hills of Fiesole, uh, over Florence, in the mid-19th century. So there was this Tuscan maid of a very rich English family, and she would collect all the leftovers from the afternoon tea. So the biscuits, the chocolate pudding, custard, and she created a hearty dessert. So it's like, it's just like when you make a soup. You take all the leftovers and then you make a soup. So this girl, she took all the leftovers from the afternoon tea and she made a soup, a dessert. So I like this second origin. It tells you so much about the love of Tuscan people for using up leftovers and turning them into delicious new recipes. So since we are intersecting British culture now with Zuppa Inglese, I thought I might call an expert Okay, so today I have a special guest and I want to introduce you my friend Regula. She's a food writer and an author of two books on British baking culture and history. Welcome, Regula. Hi, Julia. How are you? Yeah, fine. Uh, it would be great to have you here at the same table drinking our tea uh, and eating a zuppa inglese. But for today, we have just to do with what we have. That's it, a Skype call. Yes. Lovely technology. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it helps. But so we we had um, we are longtime friends. We met years ago. Uh, you were my honor uh, bridesmaid at the wedding, and we organized together uh, gatherings, events, and cooking classes. But today I'm interviewing you as an expert on British baking culture and history. So you just published two cookbooks, right? Yes. Two cookbooks in one year, the National Trust Book of Puddings and a book on British baking culture. Wow. So today we are going to talk about the National Trust Book on Pudding, but you have to promise me that we'll have the chance to talk again about the other book. Of course, of course. I can't <laughs> wait to be back. Yes. So we will talk about this National Trust Book because there's a special recipe there and it's a Zuppa Inglese recipe. Yes, and it is your Zuppa Inglese recipe because I only wanted your recipe there because if I think about Zuppa Inglese, I think about the Zuppa Inglese that you always make for me. Oh, thank you. And the one that my dog ate. <laughs> <laughs> we were trying as, to take well, a yeah. <laughs> Oh, Noah. No. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, you are an expert on English baking culture, English desserts, English pudding. So, first of all, is there something similar to Zuppa Inglese in the English culture? Yes, and that is why your recipe for Zuppa Inglese is in my National Trust Book of Puddings, because in England there is something that is called a trifle, and that is a layered 
pudding, a layered dessert, which consists of a layer of sponge cakes or Savoyardi biscuits, which are drizzled with an alcohol that can be brandy or sherry or Madeira wine. And then there's a layer of uh, ratafia biscuits or amaretti biscuits. They're also drizzled, drizzled in alcohol. They like alcohol in England. <laughs> and, then there's, yeah. and then there's a layer of custard and or a layer of normal plain whipped cream. And in traditional trifles, there's also a layer of syllabub and a syllabub that is a kind of cream that is almost going towards a cheese because it mm -hmm. is, it's flavored with Riesling wine or, uh, and sack, which is, you can compare it to uh, sherry today, fortified wow. wine. And it's set with lemon juice. So when you whip it, it becomes thick because of the lemon juice as well. So it, it creates this wonderful creamy concoction. And that's traditionally put on uh, early trifles. And if you put that all together, it looks a lot. Well, there's also a layer of fruit, of course. Can't forget gets the layer of fruit. Uh, it could be a layer of fresh fruits or tinned fruits in the very retro trifles or a layer of jelly. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that, which is layered in a bowl, a glass bowl, so you can see the trifle architecture. If you look at it, it looks a lot like a zuppa inglese. So for my book, I wanted to bring together a couple of recipes which look a lot like an English trifle but are from different countries. There mm -hmm. is a Latvian trifle which is made with rye bread and cranberries and, and sour cream and then there is Julia's Zupa mm -hmm. Inglese. That's fantastic. But it's very nice to hear that in the traditional recipe for trifle you find Savoyardi because yeah. my grandmother, she always makes the zuppa inglese with Savoyardi. And then we have our uh, alcohol, which is alkermes. And then we have custard. And then chocolate custard. And then some chocolate uh, in it as well. But it, they're so similar. And I think this is why I truly believe that the legend uh, about the zuppa inglese invented with the leftovers of an English afternoon tea is real. Because they are so similar in the ingredients, but they have local ingredients like our Savoyard and our Alkermes. Yes, and the Amaretti biscuits, because the, the biscuits used in the past, and I'm speaking about the 18th century, called Ratafia biscuits, they are actually Amaretti biscuits, which is also from your parts. Yeah, <laughs> from this part of the world. Yeah. Okay, so... That's perfect. Uh, thank you again for your expertise. And I can wait to have you here again to talk a little bit longer about all your books and your TV show and your photography and all your writing. Can't wait to be back. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Regula. Bye-bye, Giulia. Bye-bye. Ciao. Grazie. And now, let's go in the kitchen to make zuppa inglese. So now, we prepare our zuppa inglese. I'm in the kitchen, I'm in the studio, I have all the ingredients here in front of me, we can start. First thing, I need to warm up some milk. I need half a liter of milk, so I have half a liter of whole milk, and I'm going to pour this in a little saucepan. Okay, and this will go on the stove. I want to give some flavor, a nice aroma to the milk, uh, so what you can do is add in vanilla, if you like, and please just vanilla. So not the 
chemical vanilla extract. So an essence, you can do that with vodka and vanilla pods, or you can buy a vanilla pod and it will last longer than you expect. Because once you have used the seeds, you can put the what is left, the vanilla pod, into a sugar jar and then you'll have uh, vanilla sugar. Today I want to use lemon. So I'm just peeling some lemon with a like a potato peeler because I want just the yellow part. And let's say I'm going to use half uh, of a lemon, half the half zest of a lemon. You can also use orange if you like. Uh, my grandmother, uh, she used to use sometimes a um, leaf from a peach tree because she said it has an almond flavor and it is true. So use natural aromas. Today we will use um, lemon. So I have my half liter of milk and I'll put this on the stove medium to warm up. I will bring this to a simmer and then I will turn off the fire. Now the other ingredients. So the, the, the recipe I'm going to explain today is the recipe that my grandmother taught me. So it's the family version of a crema pasticcera, of the Italian custard. It is not the recipe you learn at a pastry course, because there you use uh, the yolk, you have to weigh that, you use uh, starch instead of flour, uh, and so it's more chemical. It's more a chemical approach than what we are going to do today. Today I'm using the family recipe, but with a few changes. So we start. Uh, the ratio is one egg, one quarter of milk, two tablespoons of sugar, one tablespoon of flour. Today I used half a liter of milk, so two quarters. So what I need is two eggs. And I'm using the whole egg. So yolk, and white. One and two. To the eggs, I'm adding sugar. Um, I'm not using a scale, um, I'm using tablespoons, but the normal tablespoons, the tablespoon you use at the table, not the measurement tablespoons. For two eggs, I need four. Um, Four tablespoons of sugar, heaping tablespoons. So one, two, three, four. Now let's talk about flour. I told you that in my grandmother's recipe uh, we use flour, but then at the pastry, uh, the pastry class they tell you you have to use starch, and it is usually rice starch and corn starch mixed together. Uh, which is the difference? First of all, starch. Uh, is quicker to use, to cook, than flour, because for starch you need about 30 seconds of boiling, while for flour you might need uh, a few minutes. Then the other difference, um, well, flour has gluten, the starch, uh, it doesn't have gluten. So if you want to have a gluten-free custard, you can go and use starch. But what's, what is most important is that if you want to keep the custard in the fridge, let's say for a day, if you use flour, you will notice on top of the custard a kind of grayish water, which is, I mean, not something dangerous or that has a bad flavor. You can just mix the custard and it's ready again. But it's better if you use starch, this doesn't happen. So your custard will be nice and yellow as just made. So just imagine uh, if you make your custard for a zuppa inglese, you want to prepare the zuppa inglese the day before, it's better to use starch than flour. 
And then I think at the end it has a better flavor. I don't know, maybe now I'm just used to this. I prefer to use starch. So since I have to use two tablespoons, I will use one tablespoon of rice starch and one tablespoon of corn starch. How big these tablespoons? Again, heaping. So this is rice starch. And then I'm adding corn starch. So now I have this in my pot. I have the eggs, the sugar, the starch, and I'm going to mix until I remove all the lumps. Now I'm using a whisk, uh, but there are a few rules and I'm breaking them uh, now. A few rules that my grandmother taught me. The first one was you have to use a wooden spoon and now I'm using a whisk. She said a wooden spoon and she had a specific wooden spoon to use for custards, for sweet things, because she would have another uh, tablespoon um, about a wooden spoon and she would use that for ragu, for example, another one to cook, I don't know, meat. Um, but she had one wooden spoon specifically prepared for the custard. But we are going to use a whisk. Okay, now this is all nicely mixed and the milk here, it's uh, simmering. So um, I need this. Okay, now my milk. I need to pour the milk little by little into the eggs. If I pour all the milk all together, I'm going to get what my grandmother would say, crema impazzita, so like crazy custard, scrambled eggs. So let's pour the milk in a thin stream and in the meantime, whisk. What about the lemon zest? We are going to add the lemon zest as well because the lemon zest on the bottom of the pan will prevent the custard from sticking to the bottom of the pan. Okay. I can bring this back on the stove. And let's go on with the rules that I'm breaking today. Okay. Fire uh, medium, medium low. Why my grandmother would say always use the minimum. And her minimum is always more minimum than my minimum. Then another rule was never watch TV while you make your custard. Uh, that's why. Why? Because I would get distracted watching, I don't know, cartoons or a movie and my custard would burn. So her rule was never watch TV while making custard. The other rule, and this, this was very important, was always stir clockwise or anti-clockwise. Of course, if you use a whisk, you just stare, you just whisk, you don't mix, you don't pay attention to the direction of your stirring. But this was very important for her. And the last one, a very important one, was never make custard when you have your period, because you will get scrambled eggs. So, I don't know, uh, these are rules, these are superstitions, and I always try to be careful with this. So today uh, I'm using medium fire, a whisk, but I'm not watching TV. So now we have to whisk this very thin liquid custard for the moment on medium fire until it thickens. So here we are. When the milk is hot, it just takes about 30 seconds, one minute, to have a thick custard. 
and this is ready. You see a few bubbles ready to turn off the heat. Now I'm going to transfer half of this custard into another pot because I will use half of it as it is and this will be my lemon custard and then half uh, will be my chocolate custard, a kind of chocolate pudding. So half of it goes here. Okay, brilliant. Two pots. One is my basic lemon custard. In the other one, what I'm going to do is I'm going to chop some dark chocolate, some very good dark chocolate, and then I will stir the chocolate into the custard to have my chocolate custard. Which kind of chocolate to choose? It depends on your taste. I prefer to have a very dark chocolate uh, with um, uh, a small amount of sugar, not too sugary, because otherwise I find that the zuppanglis at the end it is too sweet. So I choose a very good dark chocolate. This is uh, 80% and I'm just going to chop it. Uh, how much? Uh, again, this depends on your taste. I think that about 80 grams is enough. 80 grams of chocolate. If you have drops of chocolate, it works as well. Okay, my chocolate is ready. Now scrape your chocolate into the custard and with a whisk stir until the chocolate is completely melted and this works like magic. So in 10 seconds, yeah, 20 seconds, your chocolate custard is ready. Mm, this is very good. Now that the two custards are ready, we can prepare the zuppa inglese. We need a bowl. I like to have a transparent bowl because I, I like to see the layers. So the, the yellow custard, chocolate custard, and the savoyardi, the biscotti soaked in the alkermes. Then we will need another bowl to soak the savoyardi. Uh, we will need alkermes, we will need savoyardi, lady fingers, and some cocoa powder. Let's start pouring alkermes, say half a glass, okay, in a bowl, and we can add also some water. I usually do 50 and 50 because um, I like to taste the flavor of alkermes, but I don't like where my zuppa inglese is too strong, too much alcohol, because usually zuppa inglese is for everyone. And when I was a kid, I used to have my zuppa inglese with alkermes and I'm still completely fine. Uh, now let's make layers. So in our bowl, we pour half of the chocolate custard on the bottom. So half chocolate custard on the bottom. If you find the lemon zest, you can just remove it and don't forget to lick it because it's very good. Don't burn yourself. Now we have one layer of chocolate custard. Now I'm taking Savoyardi and I'm quickly dipping them in my mixture of alkermes and water. You have to be very quick, like one second on one side, one second on the other, done. Because otherwise you will get a very mushy zuppa inglese if the savoyardi soaked too much water or kermes. So quickly on both sides. 
maybe I can break this to finish my layer. Yes. Okay, I have my layer Savoyardi. Now, after the Savoyardi, a layer of lemon custard, half of it. And pour this on top of the Savoyardi. Gently spread it. Yeah. And again, Savoyardi. Again, you have to quickly dip them in a thermos and water. If you don't have Savoyardi, you can use sponge cake, sponge cookies. Anyway, something that is, uh, will easily soak up the alkermis. Nice. So we have made another layer. Okay. Now we finish with all the chocolate. the chocolate nicely on top of the Savoyardi, a thin layer of chocolate and we can go with the last layer of Savoyardi. Okay. Mm. Savoyardi don't fit perfectly you can just break them up okay just like this to have a nice layer and now we finish with the last layer of custard wonderful spread the custard on top as nicely as possible. Okay. And now, after the custard, we finish with a very quick decoration with some cocoa powder. Sprinkle the cocoa powder on top. I think a teaspoon is more than enough. Okay. It's ready. So this is how quick and easy it is to make a zuppa inglese. I finished with some cocoa powder and now I'm going to put my zuppa inglese into the fridge for, let's say, a few hours. This is, a few hours is good, but also until the next day. Bye-bye zuppa inglese. So this was the recipe for my family zuppa inglese. Let me know if you make it. Word of the day. Learn the Italian language of food word after word. Every year, more than 200 people join our cooking classes. Speaking with them, I made a small dictionary of important words and pronunciations that help you navigate through the immense world of Italian food. So if you love Italian language as much as you love Italian cooking, these are just a few words that can be useful for you. Today's word is zuppa, soup. We found zuppa used for a dessert, but it is commonly used for a savory recipe. 
Well, to be precise, zuppa is a soup which involves some bread, either soaked, toasted or the scrotons. The bread thickens the soup and makes it filling. Think about zuppa di pane, bread soup, but also ribollita. Zuppa is just one of the many translations of soup, because soup could also be translated as vellutata, minestra, passato, crema, and they all have slightly different meaning. So let's have a look at them. A minestra is a soup with vegetables and some cereals, as rice, barley, farro or small pasta. Passato is like a minestra, but the vegetables are blended into a thin soup, without cereals or pasta. You can have a passato di verdura when you just have lots of vegetables and then you puree them into a very thin soup. A vellutata is a velvety soup, made with two or three ingredients, one of which is always potato. Usually the vellutata is finished with cream. And then you have a crema, which is a one vegetable soup where the ingredient is blended into a velvety soup. Think about crema di zucchini or crema di fagioli, so like a very thin velvety soup made just with zucchini or just with beans. This is the end of today's episode of our podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. I'd love to hear from you. Is there a recipe that reminds you of your childhood, like Zuppa Inglese does for me? So you can share it with me via email or with a post or a story on Instagram using the hashtag cooking with an Italian accent and tagging Jules Kitchen. If you have questions about Italian and Tuscan cooking, just email me at jules at juleskitchen.com or join our Facebook group, Cooking with Jules Kitchen. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcast, or wherever you are listening to a podcast, and share with your friends too. You will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in the episode show notes. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for more information and to discover new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Ciao, see you next time!